What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning and welcome to Cyber Law and Business Report. This is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center broadcasting live from sunny downtown Santa Monica here in the heart of Silicon Beach. Please be seated. We have a great show for you today. Um, we've been away for a couple of weeks, so we got a lot of catching up to do. And um, But we have an old friend to welcome us back and Dan Tynan joins us for the umpteenth time. Um, he's probably he's setting the record once again, but um, we're glad to have Dan back. Dan's going to be talking about a lot of issues. He's been writing on um, some really interesting matters lately. Um, he just came back from South by Southwest. Um, so we have uh, stories uh, all over the gamut, um, ranging from Apple to privacy. And um, so we're going to have him on in a second, but I just want to give a, a quick um, news update and um, some sad news coming from Los Angeles. Um, long-serving city council member Bill Rosenthal has died. Um, he had uh, been a successful cable executive who then went into public service. And um, I always remember talking with him. He um, served on Bobby Kennedy's campaign staff, and he worked in the Oregon primary. And his last exchange with um, Senator Kennedy was um, Bobby asked him whether we were going to win in Oregon, and he said, I'm afraid not, Senator. And he always wished that he had better news to report because who knows, maybe what happened in the Ambassador Hotel that night would not have happened. But Bill Rosendahl put up a great fight with cancer and um, to his family and loved ones. We, we extend our condolences. Um, he was a, a man who served Los Angeles well. Um, but let me bring on Dan Tynan. Dan, uh, welcome back. Hey, Ben. It's great to be back. And um, quite a lot going on. This is kind of like a... I don't know if it's a buffet or a smorgasbord. There's so much to talk about. Why don't we um, start with the, the biggest story of the day um, being Apple? Um, what is your take on 
the government um, coming up with their own solution. Well, my first thought when I heard that the FBI said, oh, never mind, we've we've got this, was that they hired John McAfee to do it for them. He offered. I'm not sure if he would. He (laughs) offered, right? He 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 offered to do it. He could do it in like an hour using social engineering, which just proves that the man has never stopped using drugs. Um, (laughs) But... So I thought it'd be hysterical if they said they went to you, you say it like you know, it's a bad thing. Well, oh yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so and, and then there was the report. There was some Israeli mobile forensics company named Cellbrite or Celebrite. Yeah. Um, and then the FBI denied it. So who knows? It could actually be McAfee. Um, we own this. The, the Wall Street Journal does that. Um, they hire analysts to pick stocks and versus the dartboard. Could have, could have been the dartboard. Could have been the dartboard. Could have gotten lucky and guessed the passcode. Um, I'm not sure. But, I mean, even though this sort of storm has passed, it hasn't really passed. I mean, this is going to be a battle. I mean, it has really been a battle for 20 years, uh, kind of under the surface. And now it's coming up big time. And because, you know, Google and Apple, kind of in response to the Snowden revelations, have decided to really beef up device security and to do it in a way where they themselves can't be held culpable uh, for cracking a phone. Uh, Apple can't actually crack a phone, um, even one that it has built. So uh, this is going to be, we're going to hear a lot about this in the next couple of years, and um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. But, I mean, in, to a certain extent, it, it, it teaches some valuable lessons. One, anything's hackable. You know, um, best laid plans. I, I do. I do recall a, a ship, the unsinkable Titanic, and uh, <laughs> that didn't end so what well. After that, wasn't Leo DiCaprio on that ship? I don't remember. I, I think so. I think he was. He got. He kind of got cold at the end. But um, right. so I mean, that that's just a lesson, and you know, man's hubris. Um, there is. A, I had a thought this morning though about it, and and tell me what you think about this theory. Apple is starting to get hit hard in Europe, um, and mm-hmm. the, the whole Snowden revelations have proved to be hurt U.S. market share in Europe, and particularly in the cloud computing because of concerns about the NSA. You know, and we've had Cameron carry on to talk about the fact that you know actually U.S. privacy protections somewhat equal to European privacy protections, but nonetheless the perception is there. Um, was an Apple's under scrutiny for a whole bunch of regulatory violations in um, Europe and you know, both antitrust and otherwise. Could this be them playing to Europe to soften the blow of some of the stuff that's coming their way? Um, it could be, but I really do think it's, it's actually more of a moral decision. I actually believe Tim Cook. I think that they decided that they needed to do something. A lot of tech companies felt really, you know, um, uh, I don't know if betrayed is the right word, maybe screwed is the right word, um, by the NSA. And, you know, the lack of trust it created in all U.S. tech companies because of the backdoors and things that they've been implementing and, uh, you know, the traffic sniffing they've been doing. And so I do think it was an effort by Silicon Valley to say, screw you to the government. You know, we're going to make this stuff so we can protect our user privacy. And, you know, regardless of the European Union, and you know, how big a market it is. I mean, the biggest market is China, right? And, right. Um, you know, that's a rather repressive government. If people think the NSA is bad here, um, so you know they may be looking ahead to that in some ways and saying, "Okay, how do we protect our, our 
future users in China. Um, but in any case, I'm curious about the legal ramifications um, because this is a case that I really kind of thought if, if you know, it went forward, we'd have to end up at the Supreme Court. Right. Well, I mean, well, of course, that would be no resolution at this point. Um, it would be a tie. Yeah, it would be a tie. It, um, it would, they would do a, like in hockey, they would go down to three justices, three on three. But um, right. the, it's a fourth, you know, the, the Fourth Amendment issue was, you know, it was already under judicial supervision. They, they got a warrant. And so mm-hmm. to that extent, um, you know, I think that they were covered on that. The issue, though, is could they compel under that writ Right. Um, the All Writs Act, and that's uncertain, and that and that will remain an open question. So if that's still to be seen, but there's so I see three follow up questions. One, um, so when Apple or whomever develops a secure encrypted system, should there be a way for um, should there be a requirement for a backdoor, um, or right. or otherwise, are you foreclosing? discoverability of, you know, potentially criminal communications? Well, That's, yeah, that uh, is the question. And and my response to that is a couple of responses. One is, and I'll just quote Bruce Schneier, who's my favorite internet security wonk. Um, I've met him. You yeah. either have a secure internet or an insecure internet. You can't make an internet secure for some people and insecure for other people. Either It's all or nothing. And so if you break encryption, if the Apple phone's, you know, the encryption is broken. Whatever caused that to break will leak out. It is guaranteed. It will go out. It will spread. It will become so common that anyone can do it. And what that does is it makes Apple phones, once again, a, a target for thieves. Right. Because now these thieves can open the phone. So, I mean, one of the things that passcode protects you against is someone stealing your $750 phone uh, and hitting you over the head and taking it from you as you're walking down the street. There's no money in it because... Most people have a passcode. Right. Um, so that's one problem. The second problem that no one really talks about is the fact that, you know, we don't control encryption. Uh, we don't, we can't say, oh, you have to put a backdoor in your encryption program. The bad guys are smart enough to hire their own coders and create their own encryption. Right. So they will continue to have encrypted communications and the rest of us will not. So, so in other words, the, the, the debate isn't whether criminals have encryption, they will. It's whether uh, (laughs) law-abiding citizens have encryption, and that's the issue. So I've seen... Go ahead, the gun debate? It's similar to airport security, okay? Okay. So when you go through security in an airport, you take your shoes off, take your belt off, whatever, and, you know, it's theater, right? Because Mm -hmm. the really smart terrorists aren't going to get caught that way. You only catch the really stupid terrorists. It's true. The people who are trying to slip a bomb in their shoe. Still, or, or their underwear. Um, walking, I walk onto a plane wearing a, a bomb. Yeah, I don't like know that. where I got where Those I got that example from, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. um, but the really smart terrorists do not get caught. There's another question I saw someone posit is whether or not the U.S. I don't think they have any obligation, but whether the U.S. would share the information with Apple. Well, I'm sorry, I missed that. Well, the U.S. Should what? should the should the FBI share with Apple how they did it? Oh, interesting. Huh. Hadn't thought of that. Um, I'm sure they won't. Um, right. <laughs> because the first thing Apple would do is to figure out how to, okay, we're going to end on that. True. We're going to 
we're going to program that out in the next version of the iPhone. But you know, if I'm the, ge- so, the attorney general, I'll say, okay, we'll give it to you if you if you pay the uh, bring right. those the money offshore and pay your taxes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Bring us the thirty five billion dollars you got stacked exactly. away in the Netherlands or wherever. Yeah. And then sure, we'll help you. Um, I would love to see that actually. Um, no. Uh, you know, it, I don't think we'll ever figure it out what the FBI is, is doing. But one of the things that came out very early in the story was the fact that the FBI could have very easily accessed the information, the backup in iCloud. And in fact, Apple has cooperated with law enforcement right. authorities hundreds, if not thousands of times in the past. But the FBI or whoever instructed someone to change the iCloud password, making that data inaccessible. So the problem is not Apple doesn't want to share with the government under legal orders. The problem is the government wants Apple to do something that is really going to break its products in order to do so. No, the problem is the government is, you know, effed up and, and should have. <laughs> we just shouldn't have got to this point. But let's, yes, let's, let's, not this point. let's jump to some other topics. You were in yeah. exciting um, Austin, Texas for South by Southwest. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, and I'm still hungover. You're still <laughs> <laughs> that must be some Texas moonshine. So, um, oh man, you were in, you attended the the famous um, cyber cyber harassment panel, which actually it was a whole yes. day event, correct? Yeah, um, what they did, you know, the history of this was that um, some time ago, South by Southwest folks announced their 2016 lineup, and they were going to do a couple of panels on Gamergate. And I'm assuming your listeners are familiar with Gamergate. We, we've covered it here, yeah. Yeah, All right. So, you know, harassing a handful of, of female game developers and game reviewers online, on Twitter, on Reddit, on 4chan, and so forth. So um, then these Gamergate guys, some of them at least, threatened to bomb South by Southwest or shoot people or do something really nasty. And so the South by Southwest people said, oh, we're not going to do these panels. And then everyone else got upset saying, you just vowed to essentially terrorists. Um, what are you doing? And so then they started their own separate little mini show within the show. Um, <clears throat> but on harassment, they had you know three panels every two hours. And, and it was all held in, in a separate hotel. Uh, and to get there, you had to go through a security screening that is actually the most thorough screening I have ever been through um, anywhere, including um, the airport at Athens, where wow. people with submachine guns go through the bags. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they went through my bag, they took everything out of it, <laughs> and then they put everything back in. Um, they were really concerned that the Gamergate folks would do something really nasty, and, and of course they didn't. Um, and in fact, this, they made this so low profile that it was actually a pretty low turnout. There, there weren't a lot of people there. Was it on the same uh, conference space, or was it off-site somewhere, yeah. too? Well, the thing about Austin in, in South By, it's so huge and sprawling. It's held on a dozen sites. Okay. It's held at not only the convention center, but all the hotels around the convention center, and it's held in you know, different restaurants and hotels and whatever. So, yeah, it's, it's all over the place. So this, was at, um, this, however, was at a hotel across the river. No, it's um, – um, you know, so it's across the river. And open – can, could you bring a gun in there? Because we have open carry there now. <laughs> Damn it. I wish I had thought of that. Um, I doubt very sincerely that the security guard would have let me in with a gun. I'm just guessing. Okay. But no. Okay. 
No, I'm just curious because you're hearing a lot of stories about professors at UT leaving because of this. So, um, it was it was not well attended. But what were the who were the stars of the of the of the event, and what were your takeaways from it? Well, I didn't go to everything. Uh, one of the problems with Southwest is you actually can't go to everything because um, there's so many things on top of each other. So I went to part of it, and the one that really struck me there was a great panel. Uh, and I'm going to try and remember the three people on it, but uh, one of them was Congresswoman Catherine Clark from Massachusetts, and another one was an attorney, a law professor from New York University, whose name is escaping me at the moment, and the third one was a um, detective sergeant from um, Johns Creek, Georgia, named Ben Finley. Uh And the topic was about how to catch a troll. But what it really was about was spotting. And I don't know if he's covered swatting. Uh, we, you know, we've talked about it once or twice, but why don't you explain what it is? Okay. So swatting is this practice that is prevalent, apparently, in the online gaming world, where it's called, sort of a prank, but with very serious potential consequences in the real world, where someone calls the, the police to your house, and they say, there's a hostage situation, someone's been shot, someone has a gun, and they basically call 911 on you, from somewhere else in the country, and the police show up at your door, you open the front door, and all of a sudden you have guns pointing at you. And this is supposedly like big yachts for the gamer guys. So they're constantly doing it to each other, but they're also doing it to people who criticize them. Uh, so this was a part of Gamergate, was uh, swatting people. And it's, it's a real problem, because imagine, you know, you're at home, 11 o'clock at night, all of a sudden the red and white lights you see spinning in your living room walls, and, you know, you hear the loudspeaker come out with your hands up. So um, it's, a, it's a nasty practice, and it has, you know, grown because of things like Twitch, which is an online gaming network where people live stream their gaming. So it's a, some people think it's fun to swat someone who's online at the time. And so everyone else can see the police show up in their living room. Um, so this was a panel about that um, because Catherine Clark, uh, introduced a bill last November to Congress um, making swatting a federal crime. Uh, because as it turns out, in most jurisdictions, swatting is not a crime. There are different crimes associated with it, like abuse of 911 services and even some anti-terrorist statutes. But there isn't a specific um, statute in most places about swatting. So she introduced that bill in November. And in January of this year, somebody swatted her house. Oh. So... <clears throat> You know, in assuming retaliation for introducing the bill. So uh, she talked about her bill and that, and she also uh, introduced another bill uh, to train law enforcement on how to deal with things like this because most of them don't have a clue. That was pretty fascinating. And the other really fascinating part was Ben Finley, who was, like I said, a, a sergeant with the police department outside Atlanta, who had to investigate a couple of swatting attacks on a family uh, in his jurisdiction. Uh, and he spent a year tracking these swatters down and managed to find them and apprehend them, which is really fascinating. Um, it's great. And I'm actually writing a story about that right now. Now, um, the Congresswoman um, Clark, she's gotten a lot of attention. Um, she is she represents one of the Gamergate victims, Brianna Wu. And she... Yeah was somewhat critical and actually came out in the Hill Hill magazine criticizing the Justice Department for his lack of response to Gamergate and cyber harassment in general. 
And she she actually successfully attached a rider to the Justice Department's appropriations, requiring it to spend more effort in addressing cyber harassment and reporting to Congress on that. And um, she's currently now part of, a, um, a, I guess, a, a controversy or she's been um, engaging with Genius yeah. on, on um, <laughs> yeah. their efforts in cyber harassment. So she's gaining a lot of attention in this space and, and she's only a freshman congressman. Uh, I have a total crush on Catherine Clark, you know. Um, she's married, <laughs> unfortunately. But seriously, I love this woman. She's smart. She's beautiful. She's funny. And she really understands technology. And God knows we need more people like that in Congress. Right. So, and she's a former um, yeah, prosecutor, too. Yeah. There were rumors that she, she could potentially be a, a gubernatorial um, candidate. But Did you just say what I think you just said? What? She's a former what? Prosecutor. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you thought I... Oh, no, I did not say that. <laughs> wow. She's in, she's in Congress. That would be redundant. But... Um, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but, um, no, no, she's a former prosecutor. You know, so she's you know, an incredible pedigree. And um, yeah. so, and she's from Massachusetts, which means she's not just smart. She's wicked smart. Um, wicked smart, yeah. And so... Um, yeah, so, yeah and, no, it's, and in, it's encouraging... Yeah. Too. So, uh, yeah, can you um, tell us a little bit about that? Well, I didn't really, uh, I hadn't really been following. This is, uh, a, a, it's not even an app, it's an extension, a web extension called News Genius. And it comes out of a product called Rap Genius. And what it allows is for anyone to annotate any page on the web. So, if you install the extension, it goes into Chrome. Um, and then you highlight some text on, say, the cyber law website, you can then add a comment to it that other users of the News Genius extension will be able to see and reply to and so forth. And so what this does is that it creates kind of a floating comments section to any web page, including pages that don't want to have a comment section. And so that has raised some concern about harassment because what do people do with websites of, you know, people who piss them off. They harass them. Uh, they right. go into the comments and they, they say crappy things and then they, you know, can do worse things. They can, you know, dox them. They can, you know, publish their home information, their home phone number, even more personal information. They can do all sorts of nasty things, which we saw in Gamergate. So, um, you know, Catherine Clark got involved um, and said, you know, I'm concerned about this. She wrote a letter to News Genius. News Genius wrote a letter back saying, Basically, hey, it's already in public. You know, we have the right to comment on it. Okay, I'll wrap up. So, though uh, I'd like to continue talking after a break. Um, oh yes, I think of course. This is totally wrong. I think you should have be able to say no. I can't have idiots commenting on my website. But that's the, the crux of that controversy. And, and Genius, to its credit, has said that they're trying to implement some tools to address that. But we're going to talk about that after these messages. You're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report only on Webmaster Radio. FM. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. 
Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? I'm David Ogletree, president of WME Training. Did you know that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average? At WME Training, we can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at WMETraining.com. The Web Marketing Association presents Great Moments in Website History. 1994, Trey G browses with a high-speed 56K modem. 1997, Donnie W. discovers scrolling. 2006, Smudges the Cat becomes an animated GIF. What is your great moment in website history? The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries for the International Web Award Competition. Web Marketing Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. Visit webaward.org to nominate your company, site, or organization. Deadline for entries is May 31st, 2016. Go to webaward.org and sign up today. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back and we're talking to Dan Tyden, um, getting an update on some of the stories he's been covering in the privacy space. And Dan, um, we were talking about Genius just a minute ago. Um, Yes. There's been an exchange between Congressman Clark and Genius, and, and Genius today issued a response saying they take cyber harassment seriously and they are trying to um, implement a tool where um, users can report harassment. Yes, yes. Well, they have a tool. They have moderators. You can report. There's a little report abuse button. I've been playing with News Genius all morning before our show uh, just to mess with it. And there's some weird things about it. Um, so you can, what happens is you highlight some text, you click annotate the button that floats above the text. You fill in the comments on uh, the window on the side, and then other people can reply. And you, at that point, you also see other text that's been highlighted and commented on. And in this window that's on the right side of the screen, actually, you can edit, delete, pin your profile, and report abuse. So someone else can report abuse. There are also apparently moderators and mediators that are there looking for stuff and pulling it, which sounds fine. Uh, except that how many moderators or mediators can you really have working on there? You know, when we have seen other community-based sites that do their own policing, um, all it takes is a small mob to completely take it over. And we've seen that on Reddit. We've seen it pretty much everywhere. And I don't think that News Genius is going to be any exception. Um, also, and this is weird, I'm still trying to figure this out twice now, I've gone on the News Genius Twitter account and I have annotated their tweets. Uh, and in some cases, those annotations were questions directed to News Genius. And twice now, 
my annotations have disappeared. Really? And I have no idea why. Yes, really. Um, <clears throat> fortunately, I took screenshots, so I have evidence that they used to be there. Um, and I've just sent a tweet to News Genius asking them what's going on. Uh, it could be Twitter doing it, I suppose, uh, but I'm very curious about that. I also went to an article on Recode uh, about Catherine Clark and News Genius and annotated that and put some things in that could conceivably be considered abuse or at least on um, borderline, you know. And if you look out your window, is there a guy wearing a fedora? <laughs> Are you stalking me again? <laughs> so um, We had to talk about this better. We, we did, we did. There was uh, some restraining orders involved. But um, So that's, that's curious about genius. And I, I think um, genius yeah. is going is I've seen it used in my, in my practice. I've had clients who've had problems with genius. And um, so, yes, it, it definitely is a tool. And I think, again, that speaks volume for Clark to be on top of that issue before anyone else. So one yes. of the show, I want to jump to a couple of things quickly. Um, you just published something for a Parallax Primer. What is that? Oh, the Parallax is a, is a new website devoted to security. Um, I'm not sure how old it is, but um, I just learned about it. And I wrote a piece for it um, that I published on Monday about phone location tracking. And what this was is essentially kind of a summary of all the different ways and different folks who can follow your location using your phone. And most of them without even being aware of it. I think I, I published, in, by the way, we have uh, on our blog, um, cyberlawradio.wordpress.com, we have show notes from today and it has some background on some of the, some of the topics we have we're covering, including links to Dan's articles. And you say at the end of the article you write, in the past, you could walk into a store, buy something, go to the bank, come home, change your shirt, then go out for coffee later. And there was always, uh, there was always, there was very little to tie how you spent your morning to how you spent the rest of your day. And you quote um, right. one of the, uh, the persons you interviewed. And, um, and so peop- you get the sense that people really don't understand that um, this having location um, tracking on. Um, really, then they're not aware of what the privacy implications are. Well, the thing about it is, and the reason I wrote the story, was that I think everyone gets it to a certain extent. Your wireless company needs to know where you are. Otherwise, you won't get any calls or texts. Right. right. So that's obvious. And, and what's not obvious is what the wireless company are doing with that information. Um, and what they're doing is they're reselling it. Uh, and they're not saying, oh, here's where Bennett was. But they're saying, well, here's where everyone in Santa Monica was. Uh, and here's where they go, and here's where the foot traffic is at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, and so forth. And so there's a big business with the wireless companies selling this information. And, of course, the wireless companies have this information. If the cops want it, they come there and say, where was Bennett at 1230 last Tuesday? And they can actually figure out where you were. Um, they would usually need a good reason to do it, but the rules actually vary as to by jurisdiction as to how much proof, whether they need a warrant or subpoena, or something simpler than that to get that information. So that's the first one. Um, but it goes way beyond that because your phone, if you have a smartphone, uh, you don't just have a wireless you know, antenna. You also have a Bluetooth antenna. You have a Wi-Fi antenna. Right? You have a GPS antenna, and you might have an NFC antenna. And there are various you know, organizations, there are various retailers, there are airports that have sensors that will read this data off your phone. Uh, and can, while they can't say, oh, this is Bennett's phone, 
they can say, oh, this phone has a unique serial number and here's what it is. And we've seen this serial number three times in the past month. And going from the serial number to your identity uh, takes an effort, but not a huge amount of effort. Uh, so what happens is that we have these different databases collected by different people for different reasons, all of which are following our phones around and most of which we're completely oblivious to. Interesting. What would be interesting is actually to do like a, a survey, ask people, would you ever do this and find out all the people who say, no, I would never do that and explain to them and they do it every day. That would, that would be kind of interesting to see. But um, well, there has been some blowback to this. I mean, there's a company called Euclid Analytics, which okay. has been big in the retail space. Uh, and they have a requirement. I mean, they what they do is they put sensors in that read Bluetooth signals. And so if you walk, you know, by the outside of the store, it might be able to read your Bluetooth signal. And it might be able to say, oh, this person keeps patent and probably doesn't come in. Uh, and now Euclid requires stores to put a notice in their windows saying we're doing this. Not all these analyst companies do, uh, but even then, most people don't see the sign. But when people do see the sign and they write about it, then there's a backlash. Uh, Nordstrom actually stopped doing this a couple of years ago because there was a big backlash after the New York Times wrote about it. Huh. And Phil's Coffee, which is a Bay Area coffee chain, uh, stopped doing it after a local TV station did a story about it. So when people hear about this, they're kind of aghast, uh, and they react to it in a negative way. So, but most of the time, people don't hear about it. Interesting. Um, now let's go kind of go into a, a little speed round. Um, a couple okay. of quick, quick topics I want to go over. And you, you, you have just recently moved from. Um, North Carolina to the Bay Area. And there's been uh, a lot of dis- press about how expensive life has become in the Bay Area. And yeah. um, so this, this seems to be a developing storyline of companies starting to leave Silicon Valley. And I just saw something in TechCrunch um, by Andrew Gazdecki. Um, I apologize for butchering your name. Um, but he says... The headline is why I moved my startup from San Francisco to San Diego. And mm. if you if you Google this topic, you know, leaving Silicon Valley, you, there's a lot of a uh, lot of hits that come up. And and in the TechCrunch article, he goes into a lot of statistics that people are indeed starting to leave Silicon Valley. And do you get a sense that there's there's that's happening, or any sense of alarm that this could you know somehow affect Silicon Valley's edge? I'm not surprised to hear it. I haven't heard it myself, although everyone talks about, you know, the insane housing prices. That's the main thing. Right. Um, I mean, it is really just it's crazy. I mean, it's like, you know, Deadwood. It's like a silver mining town in the 1880s, you know, where the, the cost of breakfast triples between breakfast and lunch, right? Um, <clears throat> that's the kind of thing that's going on. So there has to be an upper limit, right? There has to be a certain point at which people say we've had enough. Um, right. I'm not sure San Diego is that much better. Um, you know, California itself is just crazy if you look on the coast. But yes, um, the, one of those things is, of course, the reason people come to Silicon Valley, there's two reasons. Um, one is proximity to talent. Yes. And the other is proximity to money. You know, the VCs are here and the talent is here. But not as much as it used to be. I mean, there's also talent in VCs in New York. There are a lot more tech centers around the country. And frankly, talent can travel and so can money. So it's becoming less urgent, I think, um, 
to live to, to move to Silicon Valley. Companies still do it because if they want to ramp up, and part of it is also kind of this um, the aura of if you're not in Silicon Valley, then you're not serious. Right. You know? But I do think that's going to change because people will look at practical things and say, you know, we are serious. We have a small startup. We can do the startup for, you know, 60% of the cost if we just move a little bit away from San Francisco. And I think you're going to see more of that. All right. Next topic. Selfies with hijackers. Is that a one? Hijackers? Is that a one-off or is that, is that going to be a new trend? <laughs> I did not see I, – I have never taken a selfie with a hijacker, but now I want to. And now it seems like it's pretty bod- uh, bodacious. Yes. Okay, now I'm, now I'm Googling it because there it is. My God. <laughs> and neither I mean, one of them look like millennials. Wait, 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 yes, that's true. What part of – he has a freaking bomb. You know, did not go is. off in this guy's head. I mean, well, I, I I'm just I'm looking don't... at the selfie now, and I'm looking at the guy who, who's in the selfie, and he does not look like the brightest bulb in the in the neon sign here. The, the, um, the bomb, the bomber, or the 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 Brit with the polo. No, the bomber looks the bomber looks you know perfectly normal and, and kind of cheerful, which is weird. But the other guy is just like he looks like one of the Gumbies from Monty Python. I mean, <laughs> like he suffered a head trauma at an early age and never recovered. Really? What the hell? I wonder what's happening to his social media this week. I'm sure it's, oh. it's gone bonkers. All right. Well, well that, now, yes. that, now, do, you, do you have something on that or I'm just curious? No, I'm just, that's what I'll be spending the rest of my day doing now is looking at this guy. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is pretty quite audacious. All right. Um, you live, in the, in the East Bay. Yes. And the prize citizens of the East Bay the last two years um, are people known as the Dubs. They are, the Dubs. And, and so they are on a chase for uh, to set an NBA record for most wins. And to do it, um, their last four games are against um, the they are the top league team in the West, and they play on April 7th, the number two team in the West at home. April 9th, the number three team in the West on the road. Actually, number, no, number four. Um, number five. Where's Memphis? Five or three? Uh, Oklahoma City's five. three. Then, yeah, Memphis is five. Yeah. Okay, then they go back to San Antonio where they just lost on April yeah. 10th, back-to-back games. And then they end at um, Oracle against Memphis again, number five. So right. they can only afford to lose, what, two games? Two games. They can afford two games to beat the Bulls record and have 73 wins this season in the last eight games they play. Will they do it? I think they will, actually. Um, and I, here's my prediction, okay? I predict they're going to lose tonight. They are playing Utah in Utah. It's on the back end of a back-to-back, uh, and they're down. Um, they're down a few players. They're down Iguodala. They're down Vasily. Still, they're down Brandon Rush, and they look pretty tired. I watched the game last night. Um, I mean, they won fairly handily against the Cap, you know, Washington. But um, so I think they're going to lose because this is the kind of game they've lost all year. Uh, the second end of a back-to-back the on the road, yeah. pretty much all their losses, right? Um, <clears throat> So, and then I predict they're going to lose to San Antonio in San Antonio. And I think they will beat San Antonio in Oakland. And I think they'll win the rest of their games. 
So I think and, they'll finish 73 and 9. And will San Antonio also finish undefeated at home? It's entirely possible both teams will finish undefeated at home, which has never happened before in the history of the NBA. No one's ever finished uh, undefeated at home, period, right? Isn't the record held by the Celtics with one loss? Yes, 40 and 1. I think it was in 86. Something 86 like that. Celtics, the yeah. best team they ever had. Um, and Bulls were 39 and 2 during their record chasing season. So, yeah, I do think the, the Warriors will set the record. I, I do worry about what cost. I'm kind of a Warriors fan, obviously, um, <clears throat> because who isn't in this area? But I worry about whether they're sacrificing a bit in the playoffs to go for this record. What ticket costs more? The last home game against Memphis, if they can go for the record, or Kobe's last game in LA? Oh, oh that's a good question. Um, I would bet the, well, I would bet actually the last game against San Antonio in, in Oakland is going to cost the most because that's the game everyone wants to see, assuming Popovich doesn't just tank it on purpose. Interesting. Um, so we we only have a few minutes left and like to, um, cover a couple other topics if we could. Um, by the way, did you, did you see the whole dust up in social media on the Lakers side? No. Oh, so, um, D'Angelo Russell, their potential future franchise player, um, Video recorded, videotaped with his phone, his teammate and roommate, you know, on the road, um, speaking about women other than his fiance. Um, and um, Nick Young, who's um, he's married, I forget his fiance's name, but she's a celebrity. And um, and so, and then it leaked and got on social media. So you, you have a situation kind of akin to um, the Mavericks in the 90s when Tony Braxton was dating half of them. And um, we had the backcourt wouldn't talk to each other because of it. And and so now you have a situation where players won't even talk to this guy. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. That and sense. that's their franchise player. But any event, a um, couple of things. Where were you 35 years ago today? How did you find out Ray was shot? <laughs> Do you remember um, finding out Reagan was shot? Oh God, um, that was thirty-five years ago today. Really, um, I don't. I do remember hearing about it. Where was I? God, I must have been a small child. <laughs> <laughs> they, they let they let your kindergarten class out early that day. Um, exactly. Yeah. So I, rem- um, wow. I was on the bus going home from school. I do remember that and hearing about yeah. it on the bus. I remember when John Lennon was shot. That that's my that's my Kennedy moment. Is actually when John Lennon. Right, was shot. I remember that. You know, that one hit me. But other than that, Reagan getting shot. Honestly, I was not a big fan of Ronald Reagan, so I was not entirely displeased to hear it. And then I felt guilty about not being entirely displeased. Right. It was. It was. I mean, it was an interesting afternoon because I do remember them announcing James Brady was dead. You know, just the, the mm. confusion of the day. I remember Frank Reynolds yes. going on and speaking quite eloquently about James Brady. I guess he who he knew, and uh, so it, it was a very interesting day. But you know, the one thing I would point out, if you look back at the sixties and the seventies, uh, where we had Kennedy shot, we had both yeah. Kennedy shot King. King. Malcolm, Malcolm X. X. You had Wallace. You had yeah. attempts on Gerald. Two attempts on Gerald Ford, and then this. To think we've gone 35 years without anything coming remotely close, you know, thank God. You know, uh, that's well, the first point. 
We've gotten, I mean, the Secret Service certainly has gotten really good at protecting the president, which is nice. Yes. Because I've been waiting for that bad news for a long time. Um, but yeah, it is kind of striking that, you know, it's sort of like airplane hijackings, which suddenly are in the news again, right? It yes. Used to be in the 70s, every other week there'd be a hijacking. Yes. And then it kind of stopped. My law school evidence professor. Really? And, and he said, it was interesting. So they had two choices when they charged Hinckley. Um, you know, this happened at the um, uh, the Hilton in Washington, D.C., which to this day is known as the Hinckley Hilton. And um, they could have charged him under regular D.C. law, uh, attempting attempted murder. And um, But they had just, after Bobby Kennedy was shot, they passed a, a law, a federal law for assassinations. And um, they wanted to charge him under the, the federal law and federal court. And he said that decision made all the difference because the standards for insanity were different in federal court versus D.C. state court. Had they tried Hinckley in D.C. court for attempted murder, he would have been convicted. And the, the insanity, he may have been found insane, but he still would have been convicted. But since he was tried in federal court, the insanity standard was, was more lenient, and um, he was acquitted. You know, John Hinckley, the minute a, you know, a doctor says he's sane, can walk free. Oh, right. and, and so it's, it's kind of an interesting um, kind of footnote of history, just the peculiarities of that. Um, there is one of the landmark I, I do want um, to give one other shout out. Um, today is the anniversary of Florida becoming a, a state. Not a state, a territory. In 1822, and we are a show, our station is based in Florida. So, um, Brasco and all your compadres in the great Sunshine State, um, happy days to you all. So, um, well, Dan, um, what are you, what are you up to these days? Do you have anything you want to tell us about before we wrap up? Uh, I'm available for hire. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone back to freelancing. I've left Yahoo and now I'm freelance writing again. But, you know, um, I'm easy. Uh, not cheap, but I'm easy. So if anyone wants to hire me to do stuff, just contact Bennett and harangue him and he'll figure out how to reach me. We will have, which I will happily do. Dan had been editor in chief at Yahoo Tech. And as you may have seen, Yahoo basically shut down a lot of its content sites as it moves towards putting itself on the auction block. So um, an unfortunate decision on their part, but um, so but we're glad to have them today. So, um, Dan, what is your prediction for the NBA Finals? Well, you know, I feel like if I make the wrong prediction, I'll jinx my, my own strong desire um, for the Warriors to repeat. So um, you're going to say the Clippers are going to win? <laughs> I think – I. Well, you know, I, I certainly hope the Warriors will get there. If not the Warriors, the Spurs, whoever wins the West will win over whoever wins the East. Uh, and it might be Toronto, actually. I'm not sure Cleveland's strong enough. But um, the East will be a more interesting playoff bracket because there's more uncertainty and more um, equality among the teams. I, I think a, a Warriors-Spurs conference final would, would be epic. That's going to be know. epic. That's going to be the real thing to watch, and then the finals will be an afterthought. And yeah, it's kind of well. I mean, which is sad because I, I remember when you had the the, the epic um, Sixers um, Celtics mm. series, and then you know, congratulations, you know, you, you won. Now you have to play the Lakers. 
<laughs> you know, there was, exactly. there was still that. And, you know, and so here you have a situation where, you know, you know unfortunately, this could be the de facto championship, um, which is unfortunate. But um, so I want to thank you for joining us, Dan. And Dan, people want to follow you on Twitter and your website. Why don't you give us that information? Uh, well, on Twitter, it's Tynan Rights. You know, it's my last name, T-Y-N-A-N, and the word Rights, W-R-I-T-E-S. And that's generally the best way to reach me. I'm on Twitter a stupid amount of time. Uh, and then from there, you know, people can get to my email and all the other good stuff. Great. Well, thank you for joining us, Dan. This is, and this is Bennett Kelly. Check us out at the Internet Law Center. We're at internetlawcenter.net. We're a full-service internet firm. We provide um, counseling on e-commerce as well as cyber harassment matters. And um, follow this show on Twitter, Cyberlaw Radio. Follow our blog, cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. And uh, next week, we will be in Washington, D.C. I'll have more details for you on that later. But I want to thank you for joining us. Have a great day. This is Ben and Kelly saying um, so long from Santa Monica, California. Join us next week on Cyberlaw and Business Report only on webmasterradio.fm. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.